Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7 says this. Uh, first of all then, I urge uh, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone for kings and for those who are in high positions, uh, so that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and in dignity. Now this is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, who himself is human, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And this was attested to at the right time. Now for this, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. (laughs) I love that little part. Paul's just like, by the way, I'm not lying. Okay, Uh, A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Uh, This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, The first four verses, Paul encourages us Uh, to regularly pray. Uh, In other words, as he wants to begin, kind of what, as he wants to kind of orient people back to this teaching that leads to love, as he wants to begin correcting uh, those things that are happening in Ephesus and kind of his coaching uh, to Timothy, it begins with a call to prayer. And so he says, "I, I want you to pray regularly. Now first he says, for everyone. Uh, to which I'm like, that's not all that helpful, right? Just pray for everybody all the time, right? Uh, and, and I suppose there are some of you praying saints that do that. Uh, I don't count myself among them, right? It's so hard when you just kind of cast this wide net, pray for everybody. Uh, I just kind of think, you know, that's not that helpful. Uh, but he actually goes on and he gives us more specific instructions. And he says, we ought to pray for those who are in positions of authority. Um, Now, isn't it true that our prayers tend to ripple out from ourselves? Here's what I mean by this. Uh, Our prayers tend to ripple out from ourselves. Uh, In other words, we tend to pray first for our own needs and concerns, right? They're kind of on the forefront of our minds when we go to prayer uh, and times of prayer. It's kind of like, hey, God, here's what I need from you, right? And so we kind of make ourselves, our own concerns, uh, kind of the, the center of our prayer life. Uh, and then the ripple goes out maybe to members of our own family or our closest friends. Uh, and then like on the furthest reaches of the ripple, like when you can hardly even tell that there's still a ring there, are, are folks that we maybe don't know as well, acquaintances of acquaintances, or the category of people that we know we should pray for but off, don't very often, Right? Uh, and, and let's just kind of admit out loud that maybe world leaders are on the outer edge of the ripple for most of us, right? I won't ask for a raise of hand. I'll just raise mine. Uh, but, but like when you think about like what, what, are the, what are the things that I'm really passionate about and what are the things that I'm praying for and the people that I'm praying for, usually world leaders are pretty far out on the ripple, right? Uh, now, to clarify, there's nothing inherently wrong with this, Right? Uh, In fact, we see from Paul's own letters that he's very quick to pray for his closest friends, to call his closest friends to pray for him. 
Uh, we see this all the time in his letters where uh, he's, he's mentioning his friends by name and saying, I am praying for you. Would you also pray for me, right? And so we kind of recognize that even in Paul's own life, that this kind of ripple effect is also true, right? So there's nothing inherently wrong with this. We shouldn't leave today feeling guilty, um, but, but rather just kind of with a new awareness uh, of, of some encouragement. And so I hope to encourage you today. Uh, but th- so what Paul does this time, though, is, is he actually says, uh, let, let's start our prayer times kind of on the far edges of the ripple and pray for those who organize the world by their rule and their authority. Whoa. Right? Like, in other words, when you kind of look at the world, there are certain people in positions of authority and rule and power that they're kind of organizing the world, right? According to their own kind of rule, their own authority, their own government structure, those kinds of things. And Paul says, this is a big deal. This is, a, this is important enough that we should pray for those folks who are quite literally organizing the world according to their own rule and authority. And specifically, though, he, he actually drills down a little bit more specific, and he says we ought to encourage, uh, he encourages us to pray for peace. Uh, so, so let's look at this, verses 1 and 2. He says, first of all, I urge you that supplications, that is a fancy word for prayer requests, right? Prayer requests, prayers, intercessions, that is praying on behalf of someone else. Uh, and thanksgivings, that's right there where, where it means, being grateful for others. We, we, we hope that that will be made for everyone. But then verse 2, for kings, for those in high positions. And then why should we do this? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and in all dignity. It's important to note here that the the peace of which Paul is speaking is not just the absence of war or the absence of violence, right? And and I think that we've talked about that enough that you kind of get the drift of that, uh, that a lot of times in in kind of modern thinking, peace is usually the absence of something, Uh, but in the ancient mind, peace is the presence of something. Uh, it, it, it's, the, it's the fulfillment of something, not just that this, this bad thing is, is not here, right? And so for Paul, it's not just the powerful keeping the oppressed silent through the threat of violence. That's not peace. For Paul, uh, thinking of peace is, is more of like akin to tranquility. In fact, as I was kind of studying what is this Greek and Hebrew word that's being used here, it's, it, to my surprise, it's not the word shalom. Uh, but rather another word that is more akin to like tranquility. But again, it's the presence of something, not the absence of something, okay? Uh, and so, so Paul is encouraging us to pray for peace, but for a specific purpose. And, and that is, uh, he, he's saying that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in godliness and in dignity. In other words, we should pray for peace because God wants all to come to salvation and peace creates a better environment for people to come to know the Prince of Peace. Are you with me? That, that if, if world leaders are kind of doing a good job of creating social stability, this environment is, is more friendly to the spreading of the gospel. It makes, it makes sense. Uh, let's, let's listen to the brilliant N.T. Wright. You guys know that I'm working from his commentary for this series. He says this, However surprising it may seem to us, praying for those in authority even if they are pagan rulers, will become part of God's plan to spread the gospel to all the world. 
that when rulers are doing their job, even if they don't acknowledge God themselves, they create social stability, which will allow God's people to worship without being harassed and to build up families and communities that follow the way of holiness. Okay? And so there's this kind of rea- this, this sense in which this creates this environment uh, for the spread of the gospel. Now, we also know, and this is not to the exclusion of everything else, right? We also know that there are periods of history that when the church is highly persecuted and there's social instability, God can also use that to raise up a, a, a movement, right? So this isn't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, oh, it's all this and it's none of that, but, but rather just kind of this recognition that the, the role and the job of world leaders is important, and at least should be on the radar of the people of God. And in fact, this, this kind of reality, this, uh, this principle, uh, reminds me of when the prophet Jeremiah tells those who are exiled in Babylon, um, he's like, here's the prophet's word for this exiled people who have been stripped of their homeland uh, and are now in a foreign place among foreign leaders. And what does Jeremiah do? He says, you know what, settle down, Get married, have children, work hard, do the normal things of life, and also pray for the well-being of Babylon. Okay, we covered this actually in the Embracing Exile series last fall, uh, but it's this, fun, it's this like crazy truth that to an exiled people, the prophet says, pray for the well-being of those who have taken you into exile. Because if, if Babylon is flourishing, then you yourselves will flourish. It's this really kind of interesting thing. And it just reminds me, do you remember specifically during one of the messages in that Embracing Exile series, we were just kind of like wondering, like, when everything kind of seems to be out of order, everything seems to be run amok, like, how do we, what do we do? How do we respond uh, what should be our approach as we await for God's deliverance? And, and I, re- I reminded us that probably a lot of times one of the best things to do is just keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> right? Like, do what you can. Do what you're doing to kind of continue to promote the kingdom of God and the welfare of the people. Um, and, and I think that that's at least part of what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that, hey, there's a church that's kind of being, that's, that's kind of going astray, right? And there's, there's a whole, there's kind of a mess going on. But we, let's begin by praying for the emperors of Rome <laughs> and, and, and praying for their well-being because there's a sense in which that may create this environment of an openness to the Prince of Peace. You with me? Uh, and, and so here's what I want to do. Uh, kind of think of this as one sermon in two parts. Uh, and at the end of this kind of first part, I want to offer you some tools uh, for praying. Because if you're anything like me, uh, like if you were to ask, to, like, how do I pray for leaders? Um, Dear Lord, be with leaders. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, hey, I did it. Okay. I, you know, it's like I did my job. Uh, and so this is, where, this is where the Book of Common Prayer is so helpful to provide us language, not to just replace or supplant like our own prayers, uh, but to rather kind of help give us language. And so in your notes insert on the back, which by the way, did you know that on the back of your notes insert every week 
is uh, the prayer, the liturgical prayer for that week, and then also uh, a, another guiding prayer. It's usually the prayer of thanksgiving that we offer in the back of there. I think that's a great prayer. Uh, but this week, I, I included the two that I wanted to reference here. So prayer for peace. Um, if, if you feel compelled this week to pray for peace, uh, this is a really great prayer. L- listen to this. This is phenomenal. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, and no strength known but the strength of love. So mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace, as children of the one Father, to whom be dominion and glory now and forever. Amen. Wow. Okay? Like, if you want to start praying for peace, this is a great place to start. And I love, actually, the beginning because it it just mentions and makes known. It kind of sets it up that in the perfect kingdom of God, no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness. And the only strength available to us is the strength of love. And, and, And some of us might push back and say, we're not quite there yet, right? Like, that's not the real world. To which I would say, that's right. Right, you know, we're not quite there yet. But oh man, as the people of God, we better be leaning in that direction, right? We better be leaning toward the the perfect kingdom of God. And so, what a what a beautiful confession. And then this is great. Uh, again, uh, a prayer. This is a call, this is a prayer for national leaders. This is directly out of the Book of Common Prayer, um, which is, by the way, the source that we use for many of our corporate prayers that we pray together out loud. Um, it says this: "O Lord, our Governor." whose glory is in all the world. We commend this nation to your merciful care, that being guided by your providence, we may dwell secure in your peace. Grant to the President of the United States and the Governor of this state and to all those who are in authority wisdom and strength to know and to do your will. Fill them with the love of truth and righteousness and make them ever mindful of their calling to serve this people. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. What a beautiful prayer again. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, your prayer for world leaders um, is, is like, goes up when you have some residence with the world leader and then goes down with the, <laughs> if you have no residence, Right? So, so kind of depending on how you feel about the leaders typically is how we tend to pray. You with me? Uh, and this is not what Paul is saying. Paul's not saying pray for the Roman emperor if you like them. Uh, Paul is just saying, I encourage you to pray for these leaders because their role is important. And, and I think that's, that's a good reminder. At least it was for me this week. Um, and, and, I, and I need tools like this to kind of provide language for prayer. Um, which, by the way, general principle of prayer, uh, I think it's so good to draw on the wisdom of people that have kind of written prayers down because if it's just left up to us to pray and we kind of have selfishness, we might maybe pray selfish prayers or if we're angry, we might pray angry prayers. Uh, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Like God can handle our honesty, but let's also, in addition, let's add some just kind of truth of, of kind of some wisdom that have, has been passed on and pray some of those prayers. You with me? 
Okay, so I'm not trying to replace your talk to God prayer life, but I am trying to supplement it with, with some of these kind of deeper uh, prayers that, that, that can be a, a good resource for us. Okay, so that's part one. Uh, yay, yes, and amen. Okay, in part two, uh, in verses five and six, uh, having just stated that God desires all to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, Paul reminds us that Christ is the one mediator between God and humanity. And at first, these two ideas, these kind of like verses 1 through 4 and then 5 and 6, just feels like there is a chasm between them, right? Like what in the world do these things have to do with one another? Well, let's try to connect the dots a little bit. Uh, if you lived in first century Rome, uh, you lived in a global superpower. Um, you lived in the land of wealth. You lived in a land of military might. You lived in a land that no one dared mess with Rome, okay? And if they did, then usually Rome would make an example of those folks uh, or of those other nations by, by, through violence, just literally tearing them down and saying, ha, you do not mess with Rome. In fact, there was a, uh, there was a phrase uh, among Romans called Pax Romana, which is the, the Roman peace or the peace of Rome, which is, in fact, just peace through the threat of violence, right? Uh, and so if you lived in uh, first century Rome, you lived in a military superpower, you lived in a wealthiest nation on earth, uh, and you lived in a place that no one messed with Rome. Uh, now, because of this, the citizens, I want, you to, I want you to hear this, the citizens of Rome had a pretty good chance of living safe and comfortable lives. Uh, Okay, pretty safe lives, pretty comfortable lives, having lived, living in the wealthiest nation and the most powerful nation that the world had ever known up to that point. Now, Roman leaders were pretty proud of being able to offer that kind of safety and comfort to their citizens. And so there was this thing where Roman leaders would, would force or, let's say, encourage <laughs> their citizens to pray to the Roman emperor and invoke him as Lord and Savior. You with me? Romans, having lived in the wealthiest nation and a pretty, in, a, in a military superpower, had a pretty good chance of living safe and comfortable lives. The Roman, Roman leaders were pretty proud of that, and so they would encourage the citizens to pray to the Roman, Roman emperor and invoke him as Lord and Savior. And offer him thanks. Now, here's Paul's instructions. Yeah, I want you to see this. In a culture, because Ephesus is a Roman colony, right? So in, during the ministry of Timothy, they are living in a, a city that is occupied or ruled by Rome. So in the middle of this, while the citizens were being asked to invoke and pray to the Roman emperor and invoke him as Lord and Savior, Paul essentially says, I'm sorry, but those titles are already taken. And so don't pray to the Roman emperor, but it is totally appropriate to pray for the Roman emperor. <laughs> are you with me? Do you see this? It's amazing. Okay, so on the one hand, you guys are not near as excited about this as I am. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. That, well, yeah. Okay. So on the one hand, on the one hand, Paul sees that government and its leaders, whether they know it or not, play some role in the, in the, in the uh, spreading of the gospel. So Paul sees that on one hand, the government and its leaders play some role in the spreading of the gospel. But 
Just like when Israel was in Babylon, the well-being of the city led to the well-being of God's people. On the other hand, though, he wants to make sure that the church and the people of God do not place their ultimate hope in government or leaders because Jesus is the one mediator between God and humanity. You see the connection? Okay? So immediately after kind of saying, yes, we need to pray for our leaders, he's saying this in a culture in which leaders were kind of invoked as Lord and Savior. And Paul wants to say, it is so good and so important to pray for them, but let's make sure that we know that the titles of Lord and Savior are taken up. Let's not put our hope in them, but let's pray for them because our hope rests in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so you get a sense of what he's trying to accomplish. It is good and it is right and it is pleasing to God to pray for leaders, particularly that they will help lead their people to peace. But be careful to not see these leaders as saviors because that role belongs to Jesus through whom God has reconciled the world to himself. And then he calls Jesus the one mediator between God and the world. Okay, now, let's do some, some theology. This is fun, isn't it? I'm having fun. Let's do some theology. Jesus is fully God and fully human. Okay, that's an orthodox claim, a core claim of Christianity, that Jesus is the God-man, fully God, fully divine, and yet mysteriously fully human, which means he's fully tempted, fully enters into the human condition. And yet now this God-man goes to the cross and we call this the reconciliation of the world. Okay, how does this work and how does this function? Well, it has something to do with his personhood of being fully God and fully human. That as fully God, when we look at the cross, we see the loving hand of God reaching out to humanity in salvation and in rescue, right? And, and, and that's usually what we tend to think about when we look at the cross, is we see this, this is God acting on behalf of humanity. And that is, in fact, 100% true. But here's the key thing. A mediator is one who stands between two parties. So Jesus, as being fully God and fully human, is uniquely capable to not just represent God to humanity, but I want you to hear this, also to represent humanity to God. That's the good news, right? That he represents us to God, that in his perfect obedience, that's what Paul means when he says we enter into Christ. We are in Christ, that in Christ we are called blameless, that we are made the faithful ones, that we are made the, 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 the true Israel, right? It, it's this beautiful kind of, the, the Jesus is the one capable of truly mediating between humanity and God. This, this is good and as we all know, as the people of God, this is called good news, right? This is called good news. And so, Paul, having reminded us that, wants us to know that in a culture where literally public leaders were um, idolized and invoked as Lord and Savior, Paul wants to remind us that in fact the one Savior of the world is Jesus Christ. Because he's the one person who is uniquely capable of, of being mediating between God and humanity. Um, so let me, let me close with this. As we enter into another election cycle, um, 
resist the temptation to either idolize or demonize those uh, running for office. Okay? As we enter into another election cycle, resist the temptation to either idolize or demonize government and those running for office. But follow Paul's encouragement, which is to pray for our leaders, to pray for peace and justice in our land. Because, listen, when those things are present, when peace and justice are present, then we are participating in the work of God, in the kingdom of God in the world. And so you can have whatever opinion about whatever leaders, you can hold that. That's okay, right? Paul's encouragement to us today is kind of start at the outer ripple. And it would maybe be worth our time, worth our awareness to pray for peace and justice. And, and, and sometimes leaders will attribute their work to God and say, I did this because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Other times they won't, right? But let's just all recognize that the kingdom of God is never the top priority for any candidate. <laughs> okay, yes, I said that out loud and it'll be, now it'll be on the podcast. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so we pray for peace and justice in our land because when those things are present, we are participating in the kingdom of God and it helps bear witness to the Prince of Peace. Um. But there's also this sense in which everything is not right, <laughs> right? Everything is not right in the world. And, and that has been true forever. That everything is not right with the world. Um, and so I think there's kind of a twofold approach. One is we work hard to become the people of peace, that we may, to become people of peace, right? To like work and participate with the movement of the Spirit of God and what he is doing in the world to press and to lean into and to ask the question of what does the kingdom of God look like and how do we as the people of God bear witness to that? How do we participate in that? How do we lean into that? How do we act according to that? Like, like work hard with the Spirit of God pressing toward the kingdom. Amen? And then on the other hand, like, Hold that loosely. Hold that loosely while we rest in the confidence that Jesus is Lord and Savior over all of the world and that one day all things will be made new. Right? So it's kind of this, this real fine balancing act of recognizing on the one hand all is not right and so I'm going to work and I'm going to participate and I'm going to lean into the kingdom of God and I'm going to allow my voice to be heard and I'm going to embody this way. I'm going to bear witness to this way. And then the same hand, the same way, on the other hand, just kind of release the results and say, God, I place my faith in you and I'm going to rest and I'm going to Sabbath in the confidence that you are in fact the world's true Lord the world's true Savior, and that one day all things will be made new. Okay? And if you're anything like me, you have a hard time keeping things in balance. If you're anything like me, it is like, let's start a revolution, you know? And we cannot be silent! <laughs> right? Or you just unplug and are like, forget it. It's hopeless, you know? And, and so sometimes I think it's, it, to me, it's kind of like, let's just put our arms around both and say, there's a time, there is a time to, let's do this. We cannot be silent. And then there's a time to say, God, 
I, I, I leave this up to you. And, and I, I am not the world's Lord, right? So I'm just going to take a Sabbath. I'm going to rest in the confidence that one day all things will be made new. Does this make sense? Does this resonate? Uh, I, I, think this is, I think this is an important word, uh, not just to Timothy, who is addressing some issues in Ephesus, but I think it's an important word for us uh, in our current setting, which, is, which to me is, is the phenomenal thing about the Word of God, that it can be deeply rooted in a specific time, specific people, specific context, uh, and yet speak to us uh, in, in pretty powerful and profound ways. And so, um, and so I leave this word and just ask the Spirit of God to move in our hearts uh, as he would. Okay, let me say a prayer and then I'll lead us to the table for communion. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks, thank you for um, your presence with us. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. And I just pray, God, that um, as I have done my best to communicate what I believe is the truth of your word today, uh, that you then, by your spirit, would translate each word um, and make it resonant in our hearts. Um, That we would be able to move kind of beyond head knowledge or, oh, wow, that's a neat tidbit or a little bit of information, but that we we would then kind of make the connection, God, to our own lives and our own being. Thank you, God, for the work of Jesus Christ, who's a mediator, um, to show us your salvation, to show us a new way of being human. So, God, I, I just ask that as your people, who call on your name, who claim your name, that we would faithfully bear witness to Jesus Christ. Recognizing, God, that we don't always do that perfectly and we won't always do that perfectly, but Lord, help us to do it well. Because I believe that through the leading of your spirit and the empowerment of your spirit that we can do it well. That we can bear witness to your kingdom in this world. And so God, be with us. Be with us as we gather around the Lord's table today. If anyone needs healing, if anyone uh, is seeking forgiveness, maybe reconciliation with you or with others, God, I pray that as we gather around the Lord's table in unity, that you would be at work and meet us right where we're at today. Speak to us, inform us, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.